I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. And I want you to look at one verse of Scripture, just one verse of Scripture. And let me talk about it a little bit. Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me. Now this is John, the Apostle John. All the disciples were dead except John. We think John was maybe 90 years old. And he was in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And he said, I heard a voice from heaven speaking to me. That's the same voice that said, let there be light. The voice of God. That's the same voice that said on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. That's the voice from heaven. The voice of God. And the voice said, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write. John, write. Don't just hear it now, John. Don't trust your judgment to repeat it. Write it. Write it in the scriptures. This is the infallible, unbroken, verbally inspired word of the living God. Write it, John. Write it for all to hear. Write it for all to read. Write it for all to heed. Write it for all to believe. Write it like Job. Write it in a book. Write it in the rock. And write it on my tombstone. In lead forever. Write. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, John. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. This is eternal truth. This is sweeter than honey. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. This is a treasure more precious than gold. This will calm your fears. This will heal your broken heart. This will give you pure peace, joy, and a blessed hope. This will comfort you in your sorrows, in your troubles, and in your trials. And I tell you this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. This will rob death of its sting and the grave of its victory. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, John, write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. The Lord didn't say, blessed are all who died. He didn't say that all who die are blessed. He plainly said from heaven, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Now multitudes of people die every day. Thousands and thousands of people die every day of whom it cannot be said they're blessed. But blessed and precious, that's what David wrote. 
precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's precious. Precious. Even old Balaam said, Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be as his. And John said in his book, He that believeth on the Son of God hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. It ought to be, it should be our utmost desire to find the answer to this question that I'm going to ask tonight. What is it to die in the Lord? What is it to die in the Lord? Well, I'll give you four or five things. First of all, to die in the Lord is to be in Him in a blessed everlasting covenant. A blessed everlasting covenant. Those who are in the covenant of God's everlasting grace are blessed. They're blessed whether they live or whether they die. You see, David, man after God's own heart, David was about 75 years old and he was dying. He was on his deathbed. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. David, the man of whom God said he's a, he's a man after my own heart. And David was lying on his deathbed. And everybody was standing around. And David had some last words to say. Everybody wants to listen to the last words that somebody says before they leave. Well, David's going to say something. And this is what he said. Although it be not so with my house. And David had a household that was disrupted. Not only a kingdom, but a household of sons and daughters that were disruptive. And gave him a lot of heartache, a lot of problems. He said, although it be not so with my house. The Lord hath made with me an everlasting covenant an everlasting covenant those who are blessed to the Lord are those who are blessed in the everlasting covenant he said God hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered ordered in all things and sure and this is all my salvation this is all my desire the everlasting covenant. And if you turn to Hebrews chapter 13, the Apostle Paul wrote in Hebrews 13 about this everlasting covenant that David referred to on his deathbed. Here in Hebrews chapter, chapter 13, verse 20. Now listen. Now the God of peace that brought again from the, from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, 
working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever an everlasting covenant what is it to die in the Lord is to be in the Lord by an everlasting covenant Warburton I believe it was wrote a book on the mercies of the everlasting covenant well God is a covenant God did you know the word covenant is in the Bible over 300 times God made a covenant with Adam broke it God made a covenant with Moses God made a covenant with Noah God made a covenant with David he raised up a man to sit on the throne from his house God made covenants God makes covenant. And the God of heaven is a God of great character. He's a God of He's a God of wisdom. He's a God of love. He's a God of truth. He's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of wisdom. Our God is a great God. So one day, many, 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 many years millions of years or thousands of years ago God made a covenant an everlasting covenant I can't even tell you when it was made I just know one was made involving the God of heaven and he said let us make man let us Father, Son, Holy Spirit let us make man in his own image let's make man and have a kingdom a kingdom of holiness and peace and glory. Let's have a kingdom. But then holiness speaks. The holiness of God speaks. And the holiness of God says, but man will fall just like Satan fell. Man will not keep that covenant. Man will sin. And man will fall. And truth spoke up. And truth said, and when he does, I'll arrest him. And I'll haul him before justice. And justice speaks and justice says, and I'll take the sword to him and put him away. Well, there's holiness speaking and truth speaking and justice speaking, speaking truth. But then God is love. Somebody said one time, well, God could have saved everybody. Well, I don't know about that. But then they went on to say, but God might have damned everybody. I know that's not true. If God is holy and God is wise and God is just truth and God is justice, God is wisdom, then God is love. I do know that. God is love. So love speaks. And love says, O Lord, Thou art plenteous in mercy. Love says, O Lord, Thou art holy, Thou art truth, Thou art justice. That's well spoken. But in Your infinite wisdom, Lord, let me ask this. Is there not a way? Is there not a way to redeem men? To make this man... And if he falls to redeem him, nothing's impossible with thee. All things are possible with God. Is there not a way? 
that truth and love might meet, that righteousness and peace might kiss one another. Is there not a way? Is there not a way that all can be honored? Your mercy, your righteousness, your peace, and your truth. May not a ransom be found? I heard something written about that. A ransom is found. A ransom. Let him go. A ransom has been found. May not a ransom be found. Cannot one stand as a mediator? Cannot one be found who's without sin? Cannot a man be found whose character is such that he can bear the wrath that sin deserves and satisfy the holiness that holiness must have? O Lord, by man came death. By man might be life brought in. Well, wisdom speak. We've heard from holiness. We've heard from justice. We've heard from truth. And we've heard from, from uh, God's love. But wisdom speaks. The rest are silent. Truth waits. Holiness waits. Justice stands with sword unsheathed. Love and mercy are silent. And wisdom has something to say. Oh, Lord, there's one. There's one. And only one who can by nature have access to God at the same time be identified with this man. There's only one who is sufficient in power and holiness to take upon himself the nature of the sinner and yet live in the world without sin. There's only one who can put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and then live to plead his own wounds. There's only one who can please the Father, pay the debt of the sinner, and be exalted to the right hand of God as an effectual advocate and mediator for all these sinners. Is there not one? Well, there is one. There is one, O oh Lord, that can reveal your righteousness and enable you to be just and justifier. And his name is wonderful. His name is Counselor. His God, His name is the mighty God. His name is the everlasting Father. His name is the Prince of Peace. And He came as the Prince of Peace. He came as my mediator. Blessed be His name. He came. Oh, blessed are they that, that are dead, die in the Lord, who are in the everlasting covenant made by God before the foundation of this world in choosing a people and making them like Christ. You can die that way in the covenant. All right, secondly, to be in Christ is to be in Him by divine choice. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. 
I'm going to start right where Paul starts here now and go backwards. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Paul has stopped right where he is. He said, God's blessed me. When we talk about heavenly blessing, we're not talking about getting, getting a bigger house and a bigger car and a bigger child. We're talking about heavenly blessings. We're talking about righteousness and peace and joy and love and, and uh, all these things in heavenly places. God has blessed me, Paul said, with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And then he takes a step backwards. God has blessed me. Here I am. Blessed is the man. Takes a step backward. And he said, and he said this. He said, blessed is the man who blessed God has blessed me with all spiritual blessing according as he chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. We're, we're in Christ by divine covenant and by divine choice. God chose us. And then Paul takes a step backward and he said this. He said, having predestinated me. God, what I talked about a while ago, that covenant, God predestinated. He said, Christ be my first elect, God said, and then chose us in our head. God's blessed me because he chose me and he chose me because he predestinated me to be like the Lord Jesus Christ take one step backward listen to this having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his own will that's where it is oh we die in the Lord because we've been chosen in the Lord. God has blessed me. Take that step backward according as he chose me. Take that step backward. Having predestinated me, take that step backward. All of it's done by the will of the heavenly Father. His will. But now turn to Romans chapter 8. Let's, let's do this same thing and start the other directions. Let's start back yonder before the foundation of the world, back, uh, back here in Romans chapter 8. And you come this way. You come from God over to the blessing. Watch Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, who called according to his purpose, called according to his purpose. Far, way back there. Whom he did foreknow. God knew them. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. Oh, old, old, uh, was, uh, was it the prophet? Uh, I forget who he's talking to. But he said, he said uh, say now that I'm a child. He said, uh, uh, he said to this prophet, he said, uh, before you were born, I, I knew you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet. Way back, he foreknew us. He foreknew us. He did foreknow know us. Then take the step this way. He did predestinate us 
to be conformed to the image of his son who loved us and died for us, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called. He called. And then he said, whom he called, he justified. He justified. God bless me. Because he chose me. Because he predestinated me to be one of his children. And he did it according to his own will. He foreknew me. He predestinated me. He called me. And he justified me. And one of these days, he'll take me to glory. Make me just like Christ. Oh, Dr. Gambrel. Dr. J. J. D. J. S. Gambrel. Old preacher back years ago in, in Texas. He, uh, he was out working in his fire garden one day. And uh, his next door neighbor, a dear Methodist lady, lived next door to him, been living there a good while. She came walking over and looked at, at the preacher there working in his garden. She said, Can I interrupt you, Dr. Gamble? He said, Yes, ma'am. He, she said, uh, Dr. Gamble said, you're a Baptist, aren't you? She said, yes, ma'am, I'm a Baptist. She said, you Baptists believe in election, don't you? Well, he said, yes, matter of fact, we certainly do. He said, she said, what is election? I love his answer. He said, dear lady, he said, are you saved? Why, she said, yes. Yeah. He said, dear lady, who saved you? Well, she said, God did. He said, did God save you on purpose? Was it an accident? Well, she said, he saved me on purpose. He said, that's election. Everything God does, he does according to the good pleasure of his own will. But we don't, we're not trying to make people mad. We're just trying to tell the truth. Well, she, she was satisfied and walked away. And that's it. All right, let's back at my text. Let's look back. To be in Christ. To be in Christ is to be in Christ by an everlasting covenant. It's to be in Christ by divine choice, by everlasting choice. And to be in Christ is to be in Christ by his precious blood. Oh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain. I know except the precious blood of Christ. Turn to First Peter. First Peter chapter, chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. And this is what the Apostle Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. He says, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily, in that everlasting covenant, by God's eternal will, ye were foreordained. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world, 
but he was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead. There's a, there's a, there's a rule in interpreting the scriptures. There's a rule called the, the law of first mention. The first time that something's mentioned in the Bible, this will hold true, I guess, in everything. But there's a law of first mention. The first time that a word is mentioned in the Bible, that's the meaning of it all the way. Take the word grace. Where is the first mention of grace in this Bible? Genesis chapter 6. Look at it. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6, verse... Genesis 6, verse 6, I believe. Let's see. Genesis 6. Here it is right here. Genesis 6, verse uh, verse, verse 8. In verse 7, God says, I'll destroy man whom I've created. We talked about that a while ago. From the face of the earth, man and beast, and every creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I've made man. But, oh, that little word, but, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God chose Noah and saved him, raised him up. That's the first time grace is made. What about the word, the word hyssop? David, David put a whole lot of stock in that word hyssop. H-Y-S-S-O-P. Hyssop. Well, let me turn to, to turn to Psalm 51 and just read something about hyssop, and then I'll show you the first time this mentioned. In Psalm 51, Psalm 51. Verse 7, Psalm 51, verse 7. David, in his, his uh, psalm of repentance, I want you to start with verse, verse 4. Oh, verse 3. David says, I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Lord, here's a request. Purge me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. That's what, Gary, you talked about this morning. I'll be clean. Purge me with hyssop. And I'll be clean. Wash me. I'll be whiter than the snow. How can that be done with hyssop? Well, turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. And here's the first mention of this little plant called hyssop. Exodus 12, verse 22. Exodus 12, verse 22. Now here, the first Passover... The Lord's going to deliver Israel from Egypt to the promised land. Raised up Moses. And Moses and Aaron brought, told him about the plague, the firstborn of every son. But, he said, you take a lamb without spot or blemish, a lamb for every house, and slay that lamb, roast it with fire, 
take his blood and take hyssop. Here it is, look at it. Exodus chapter 20, chapter 12, verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out, take your lamb, according to your families, kill the Passover, and take a bunch of hyssop. Hyssop is a little plant, not so big. It's got leaves and twigs like any other plant called hyssop. And they would take that hyssop, take that a sprig of hyssop, when they got the, the, the sacrifice and the blood, dip the hyssop in the blood and put it on the little the side post. The blood of the lamb. Sprinkle the blood of the lamb. That's the first time it's mentioned here. And he says, listen, take the blood in the basins and dip the hyssop in the blood and strike the lintel with the two side poles with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you go out. None of you go out now. It's out of the door of the house to the morning. For the Lord will pass through the, through the, to spite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the little and the two side poles, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses and smite you. Precious blood. To be in Christ is to be in that blessed covenant he made, in that divine choice that he, he made, and in that precious blood that he shed. That's how you're clean. That's the only way you can be clean. That's the only way God saves sinners. That's the only way. All right. We're in Christ. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. In the Lord by his covenant, by his choice, by his precious blood. Now watch this. We're in the Lord by faith. By faith. Man's got to believe. Sanctification of spirit and belief of the truth. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans the 4th chapter. And here in verse uh, verse 1. Romans chapter 4. Now, Abraham was about 75 years old. And he was an idolater. Abraham didn't know God. And Abraham with his father and his brother lived in idolatry. And God came to Abraham and spoke to him and said, Abraham, get thee out of thy father's house. And the land I'll show thee, I'll make of your great nation. And Abraham heard the Lord and believed him. Now watch this Romans chapter, chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? What did Abraham find? I'll tell you what he found. He found righteousness. He found God. That's what I was talking about this morning. This righteousness is Christ. And Abraham found God. Four times it says in the Bible, Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. What did Abraham found? He found God. Secondly, 
For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereafter glory, but not before God. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. How did Abraham find God and righteousness? By believing him. By believing. By believing. That's where you find it too. By believing God. Not doubting God. Not arguing. Believing God. When did he find it? Well, we know Abraham made a lot of journeys, and we know Abraham had a lot of experiences, and we know how Abraham was circumcised and had all his family circumcised, did all these things. Was that when he found God in righteousness? No. He found God in righteousness when God called him out the first time under those stars, and he said, Abraham, look up. Abraham looked up and said, count the stars. Can't do that. Your seed will be as the stars of the sky. Abraham, look at the sand on the seashore. Count it. Can't count it. Your seed will be like the sea, sand of the seashore. And he believed God right then. Fifteen years later, he was circumcised. Fifteen years later, this. Twenty-five years later, he had a son. Twenty years later, he had one named Ishmael. All these things happened. But Abraham was saved when he believed God. The thief on the cross. When was he saved? He didn't wash. He didn't work. He didn't witness. <laughs> and he couldn't wait. He believed God. Lord. You, you're not going to stay dead. You're coming into the kingdom. Would you be mindful of me? That's, remember me is God will be mindful of you. Would you be mindful of me? Our Lord said today, you'll be with me in paradise. Just like that, preacher. Just like that. If there's any other way, it'd be works. If I had to wait and work and wish and hope and merit, God's got nothing to do with it. You believe it right there. What did Abraham find? Found God. How did he find God? He believed him. When did he find God? He found God when he believed him. When he believed God. How do we know that he found God? He obeyed God. Ah, see if that doesn't... Look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. Listen to this. Hebrews 11 verse 8. <laughs> That's, that sums it up right here. Hebrews 11 verse 8. Listen to it. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, when he was called by God to go out into a place where he should after receive for inheritance, what did he do? He argued with God? No. He got his books down and studied about No. He obeyed. He obeyed. And he didn't even know where he was going. God told him to go. And he didn't know where. God told him he was going to have a son. He didn't know how. God told him to take that son and kill him. He said, I don't know why. But I just believe God. I believe God. I can't explain it. I just can't explain all that God is pleased to do. But I believe him. Keep on believing. How do I know Abraham believed God? Well, he believed God when he left his father's house. 
He believed God when he told him he'd have a son. He believed God when he gave Lot the best land. He believed God when he refused the wealth of Sodom. He believed God when he cast out the bondwoman. He believed God when he sacrificed Isaac. Now, he didn't sacrifice Isaac, preacher. Yes, he did. In his mind, he did. He, he took him up as one he raised, who raised from the dead. He knew, Lazarus, he knew that his son, Isaac, was dead. He believed God. He believed God. His faith was justified by his obedience. That's what we're talking about. Was not Abraham justified by works? Not his soul wasn't. His soul justified by faith in God. But his faith was justified by his works. That's the reason I close with this right here. Back to my text. Back to my text in, in the Revelation. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Let's read this again here. Revelation 14 verse 13. And I heard a voice. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Believers rest from their labors, but they do have works of faith and love and hope. They work. God's people work. But listen what he's saying here. Their works do follow them. Their works and their deeds do not go before them. They're going to glory, but their works do not precede them. Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you. Christ prepares that place. Well, their works do not accompany them. Their works do not accompany them or attend them to plead their case or to plead their cause. He ever lives to make intercession. But their works do follow them. Their works do follow them and will be found to the praise and glory of the God who saved them. Their works will follow them and be good evidence like Abraham of old that they did believe God. Isn't that a beautiful text? That's a beautiful text. May God bless you to your heart and I I just had such a wonderful time. Just a wonderful, wonderful time. This is some congregation. This special.